with chemical agriculture, it's always it's always the same story. They release a chemical, they're like, oh, it's perfectly safe, tested for safety, blah, blah, blah. 20 years goes by. Oh, actually, you know, it causes cancer. Okay, we're going to get rid of it. Then a new one comes along. It's the same thing. Oh, I tested for safety, rigorous testing, this and that. 20 years goes by. Ah, actually, uh, we said it wasn't persistent in the environment, but it's actually leaching on pretty much everything. And like glyphosate's like 80, and 80% of rainwater these days in the US. I was like, okay, we'll get rid of it. It's the same story over and over again. So with anything health related, I always go by uh, guilty until proven innocent. Right. I got that from Pierre. <laughs> so just presume it's not healthy for you if basically um no absolutes but 99.9 percent .9 of the time just presume it's not healthy for you uh and that's it just go with that you know and, and is it gonna prevent everything no because just by living in this environment you're exposed to toxicity for sure but yeah. you can do a lot also to decrease your tox toxic load Ben Joseph Stewart. Hi, this is Kimberly Ann Johnson. I'm Mark Grove. I'm Bliss Young. I'm Sarah Gustafson, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm Nathan Riley, your host. I'm a board-certified OBGYN, and I... I'm a sucker for suffering, I guess. I went for a second board specialty in hospice and palliative care. And I, uh, after years and years and years of education and really kind of self-exploration into a variety of topics, including functional medicine, anthroposophic medicine, biogeometry, herbalism, um, and really traditional midwifery, I uh, realized that I can't possibly see every single client that comes my way. And there's a lot of room out there, I think, for public forward-facing education. And that's what the Holistic OBGYN podcast is all about. And it's not just your typical OBGYN podcast where we're talking about just cervical health or just birth or just postpartum, although you'll get a lot of that here. We also talk about optimizing a lifestyle in order to mitigate the potential downfalls that come with pregnancy. We're talking basic pregnancy complications. We're also talking about men's health because, you know, there's 50% of the population is men and many of them are going to be fathers someday. So they're curious as to how to get pregnant, right? How, how to get their partners pregnant, how to optimize their testosterone, their mood, their libido. Um, what can I do now to prepare for fatherhood? Those types of topics come up a lot. And my guest today is Eugene Trufkin, also known as Evgeny Trufkin. That's his author name on his various books. Um, Eugene is not a dad, but he has dedicated his 38 years of life to learning everything he possibly can and then applying it in his own life in order to optimize his well-being. And that, if you go and check out Eugene on Instagram, you will see this guy has it pretty well dialed in. He works with clients of all ages in order to optimize their life. Um, he mostly works, works with men. And um, uh, the variety of topics that are swirling right now around testosterone replacement and biohacking and all these tricks, Eugene doesn't have much space for that because he 
like I, feels that the best way to go about optimizing our health, our fertility, our sleep, and everything comes from the most natural and cost-effective means possible. Meaning you could go and spend a million dollars a year on supplements and fancy devices and all that, or you could get down to the very, very basics. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Eugene's two books are The Laws of, uh, Laws of, of Aesthetics. There's, this is a long title, so let me look it up. Laws of Aesthetics, A Definitive Blueprint to Rapid Fat Loss, The Perfect Body, and a Living and living a health-centered lifestyle. Sorry, <laughs> tripping over my words a little bit here. His other book is, and this is his newer book, Anti-Factory Farm Shopping Guide. Both of those can be found in the podcast description, wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as in the show notes at belovedholistics.com. I'll also include a whole bunch of other links that I think are relevant. One thing we um, finished the conversation with is balancing the nervous system and periodization, period, periodization of our stress um, in our days, you know, productivity is really the name of the game in the United States. The more you produce, the more valuable you are. But if we were to hearken back to even a hundred years ago, it was not common for people to be under stress at all times up until the moment you go to sleep and then starting right up, you know, the moment you wake up seven days a week, 365 days a year. So I'll include some information um, as well, a bunch of references from this show, including um, the Prana Foundation at pranafoundation.org and the polyvagalinstitute.org, both of which are uh, really centered around the polyvagal theory of how the nervous system works. It's not just sympathetic and parasympathetic. There's also the dorsal vagal parasympathetic. And then you've got your sympathetic, your fight or flight, but then you have your ventral vagal parasympathetic. There's so much to unpack within the nervous system that Eugene and I didn't get um, have a full opportunity to dive into here, but we do go deep into the food system um, using nutritional, basic nutri nutritional principles, not just to boost our testosterone, but also to just boost our overall well-being. And these principles are equally important for men as they are for women. Um, we get into chemicals and fertilizers and how the FDA has kind of led us astray as to what we may consider safe to eat, even when we are going out and trying to find the best produce. We get into the importance of sleep. We get into the importance of periodizing, meaning not weightlifting your hardest every single day of the year, but actually taking periods of rest and how all of this, um, along with our nervous system supported strength and conditioning and, and our lifestyles, how all of this plays into optimal human function, not just looking at one individual system. So you're going to love hearing from Eugene. This guy's a, such a breadth of knowledge that we could only get through part of his recommendations in this hour long episode. We're going to have him back soon where we'll, fit, we'll, we'll wrap up our conversation and dig into some other topics, but you're going to love this one. Um, because this podcast is totally free, I rely on a couple sponsors to keep the lights on. The first is BirthFit, and since we're speaking of nervous system supported strength and conditioning program, BirthFit is the place to be. Whether you're preconception, you're actively pregnant now, whatever trimester, or you're postpartum, whether you're two days postpartum or 12 weeks postpartum customizing how you get back into a movement regimen, how you nourish yourselves on a physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual level, how you balance out your nervous system. This is all the purview of a really responsible health or exercise professional. And unfortunately, not a lot of the pros out there, at least the self-proclaimed pros out there, they have no clue what to do in pregnancy or postpartum. So fortunately, BirthFit is here. Find yourself a BirthFit professional. I have gone through their coaching program. These the people that are doing this work are exceptional. There is nothing like it out there. 
So I encourage you to go to birthfit.com, check out their programs. With Code Beloved, you can get 20% off their postpartum basics program, which is day by day, a um, an exercise, a movement, a breathing program for you to get back into your operational status as you felt before you had your baby. Now that you're in this postpartum lying in period, you can also use code beloved at birthfit.com to get one month free in their B community, which is a community made by women for women, where you can get all of your, your questions answered. You can, um, you'll be meeting in, in, in regular webinars. You'll have a whole library of resources there in order to help answer your questions and figure out how to personalize your lifestyle um, in pregnancy and postpartum um, alongside a lot of other uh, like-minded individuals. Birthfit.com. Thank you, Birthfit, for supporting the show. This episode was also brought to you by Organifi, and you've heard about them probably on their podcast, but there is one particular product that is unique that is, I think, critical for those of you who are listening, and that is Organifi's Harmony Blend. Now, before I tell you about what's in this, remember that all of their ingredients are glyphosate-free, they're all non-GMO, they're all gluten-free, they're all USDA organic. Everything that Drew Canole and his team at Organifi put into their products is the cream de la creme, as they say, somewhere in Europe, probably France. So this Harmony Blend is uh, a really, really great additive, a supplement for those women who are listening because it includes superfoods like maca, rich in antioxidants. It's delicious because they use um, cacao um, loaded with polyphenols. Um, Anandamide is also rich in cacao. That's the bliss molecule. Um, Chast tree berry. It is a a common sort of the generic is chastry, but you've probably heard it called Vitex. This is going to help you regulate your menstrual cycles by sensitizing the ovaries to the chemicals from the brain, especially luteinizing hormone, in order to balance out the estrogen or progesterone. Because if you don't have enough progesterone in your body and you're of reproductive age, your ovaries are still presumably working, it demonstrates that you're probably not ovulating. Ovulation and menstruation, they're different things and they're equally important as... um, two balancing forces throughout the four phases of your menstrual cycle. Um, Drew has also included Shatavari, which is a very, very well-known, well-studied adaptogenic herb. It will help to balance out and regulate any, um, let's just say, perturbations in the variety of hormone feedback loops, specifically as it relates to your adrenals and your gonads, and of course, those feedback into the brain. So you can see an improvement in libido, decrease in your PMS and menopausal symptoms with the addition of Shadavari. Also, stinging nettle, a well-known Chinese herb, at least through the lens of Chinese herbalism, a, a really, really potent blood and kidney tonic Um You can take stinging nettle as a tea. You can put it in your vaginal steaming herbs. You can take baths within it. Um, It's packed with antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds. So stinging nettle is a necessary ingredient. Turmeric, of course, a very, very ancient herb, um, rich in curcumin. This supports a healthy immune system, um, can help improve exercise-induced muscle soreness, tons of antioxidant support from turmeric, ginger, Ceylon cinnamon, coconut milk, acacia. There are so much good stuff packed into each scoop of Organifi's Harmony Blend. If you want to give this a shot, go to Organifi.com slash beloved, add it to the cart, and you'll enjoy 20% off your purchase. Organifi, thank you so much for continuing to support the show. And given that we've talked about 
um, what we're talking about on this episode, BirthFit and Organifi are both two really, really beautiful contributions to what I'm putting together over here in my uh, <laughs> revolution that is the Holistic OBGYN podcast. So without further ado, um, Eugene here is going to dispel a bunch of myths. He's going to lay down some really, really important principles in order for you, whether you're a man or a woman, to live the healthiest you possibly can. And I hope you look forward to part two. But for now, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Eugene Trufkin. Eugene, I get a lot of criticism on a daily basis um, around my, la my, my poor choice of attire on social media. And so I'm wearing a shirt right now, and I'm surprised to see you're wearing a shirt as well, because I usually see you half naked on Instagram looking amazing. So I just wanted to give you a little shout out there. It's like us Matthew McConaughey wannabes not owning shirts. So <laughs> yeah, I keep it simple, man. I only have black t-shirts. I have black eight t-shirts and eight <laughs> black shorts. <laughs> and that's it. That's why, that's why you wake up in the morning. It's like, what do you want? You know, this black shirt or that black shirt, it's like less stuff to think about. And you can think about maybe uh, what's a little more important. But then again, fashion isn't like a passion of mine. So I don't really, I don't really care about that part. The passion for fashion, Jeff, that will not be the title of the episode. Um, <laughs> Eugene, thanks for coming on. You and I have been shooting the breeze over uh, texting and social media, and you send me a lot of really, really good stuff to read. And I've, I've certainly appreciated that. But gosh, you've got a breadth of knowledge around a variety of things, and we're going to get into um, the farming system, where our food is coming from. I actually think this is a very kind of prescient moment for us all right now to realize that if we don't start really educating ourselves, we're going to see more and more farmlands slip out of the reach of local farmers um, to be put, you know, lands to, that could otherwise be put towards regenerative practices that you and Kyle Kingsbury have shot the shit on, on his podcast about you, you were on Paul check, uh, living for D podcast talking about some of these things. And while people might feel like, gosh, we've heard this before. I think we need to keep talking about it. Like we need to really impress upon people how important this is. And, and before we were recording, I was saying there are two types of people out there that, that, you know, have something to say. One person, the, the one archetype is the person who has a ton of diplomas behind them on the wall. And then there's the type of person who may be the same person. I like to think I, I, I can bridge these worlds pretty well, but there's other people out there who have just experimented to such a degree that they've dialed in their own lifestyle so much so that they can look like you do and, and feel and, and lift and experience life the way you do without relying on pharmaceuticals, without relying on our processed food manufacturers in order to make sense of this. So let's start there. You are a pretty high level performing male. And how old are you, Eugene? Just out of curiosity. Uh, 38 and a half. 38 and a half. So you got, you and I are almost the same age and many of our, 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 um, I don't know, our cohort of young men out there are using testosterone replacement and all mm -hmm. these things, but you really pride yourself. And I, I feel very fortunate to know you because you've become a mentor to me on a variety of techniques you can use really to optimize a, a man's health well into their thirties, well into their forties, hopefully into our sixties, we'll still be like, you know, looking and feeling great, but maybe talk a little bit about that. And of course, finding appropriate food 
is really, really critical, I think, to doing this right. But let's talk a little bit about that. How have you managed to stay off of testosterone replacement therapy when so many young men, even in their 20s now, are using this stuff in order to, quote, optimize their health? I don't see it. I see it as a crutch, if anything, if, if, and, and maybe worst case scenario, potentially more harmful than beneficial for many of us. Yes. Yeah, so, so first, thanks, obviously, for having me um, having me on the show and everything. I think it's really cool uh, and I appreciate it. And yeah, I do agree with you. In most cases, it does more harm than good. Of course, with human health, as you know, there's no absolutes, you know, no direct answers. And the only way to really give solid answers is to really have that patient in front of you and know their background and exactly what they're trying to achieve and their goals and stuff of that sort. So I'll be happy to um, I'll be happy to go over all of the steps like I do personally and I do with a lot of uh, my clients to increase their testosterone uh, to pretty high levels. I mean, I got to keep it realistic. Like naturally, I mean, you're looking at, um, you know, 800 to 1000 nanograms per deciliter going into your your late 30s. But looking at the statistics, you'll see that most young 20 year old, like early 20 year olds are like below 600, you know, oftentimes maybe in three or 400. So hovering around eight to 800 to 1,000 is pretty high in today's standards. And that's important to understand by today's standards, right? But actually like a very, uh, very help. Oh, I think your audio is off, Nate. Sorry about that. Is that total or free testosterone that you're talking about in case somebody's looking at their lab work right oh, now? Yeah. So it's total. If it's free, that would be through the roof. You'd be like a super mutant, probably like Wolverine or something. Uh, so I'm referring to total testosterone, obviously. So, uh, the advice I'm going to be going, giving out the only evidence I could really provide is just through a bunch of clients and myself, and it does consistently get them to 800 to a thousand nanograms per deciliter. Uh, just like I showed you my 56 year old client, I was able to get him and I showed you his blood work. I was able to get him from like 325 nanograms to all the way 750. And he's like 56 years old and, um, and stuff of that sort. The good news is. And I could go into the details of a lot of this stuff. The good news is, is a lot of this stuff is actually fairly easy to understand intellectually. And I feel that's where people get things yeah. wrong. They're like, oh yeah, I get it. And I'm like, I know you get it. And I know it's easy to understand, but are you really doing all of this uh, consistently enough to have enough stimulus to actually create this change yeah. in a world and a society that doesn't facilitate health conscious choices anymore? you know, uh, that yeah. doesn't, uh, that doesn't kind of positively reward you for taking care of yourself, you know, setting healthy boundaries at work, et cetera, et cetera. And all of these little variables play a huge part in terms of like what job you pick, what relationships you get into, they actually play like a huge part in your, not only in being happy in life, but also in optimizing your hormones. So you can optimize either your aesthetic goals or just how you feel or your athletic goals, et cetera, et cetera. For me, it's mainly like, aesthetics at this point i kind of don't really play any sports anymore i do go hunting occasionally but that's about it it's more of a like a recreational pastime etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah i'll be happy to go over everything and the good news too is most of it pretty much 90 percent of it is free yeah so literally it's accessible by anyone that actually just has the knowledge and wants to implement it and i'm going to describe it in a way that people can just take this information and actually use it yeah. It's not going to be complicated. It's not going to be elaborate. And for sure, once again, I really have to emphasize it's going to be easy to understand, but that's not where the power is in. Like, are you actually doing this? That's the real question. And if you are, my argument and from my observation is you can bring your levels up to at least 800 nanograms per deciliter. 
all the way up into your 50s. No problem. And uh, people looking at getting on testosterone replacement therapy, if they actually do it the right way, the, the most they're going to bring you up to is 800 anyways. So um, of course, you're not going to be cruising around like 2000, like pro bodybuilder levels following this stuff for sure. But most people, um, I mean, I hope don't even want to be at those like unhealthy levels anyways. So uh, for people on TRT thinking about it, I would just say, it might be a good idea to do all this stuff. That way, even if you do take it, you'd have to take such minute quantities to reach the levels you want to be at and still have exponentially better results and just overall look better and be, be healthier because a lot of times, especially with aesthetics, it's not so much like how big your muscles are and stuff of that sort. It's like how good your skin looks, you know, how good your hair looks. Just do you look like you have a lot of vitality in your, in your life, et cetera, et cetera. That stuff goes a long way as well. So, um, and we'll break it down one thing at a time. I have some notes here because I usually forget. Uh, a yeah, bunch of stuff. yeah. And you're welcome. Of course, you have a wealth of knowledge in this area as well. So to not make it sound like a monologue, you're welcome to just pitch in and what you do as well, because you've done a lot of stuff that works for you well also. Like I don't have all the answers and I have a bunch of answers. Is it for everyone? It's probably not for everyone, but it will be a, for sure a good starting point for where a lot of people are in their current journey for sure. So, so Eugene, what I'm hearing first and foremost is I think a person needs to try to appreciate what is your goal, right? Like, are you yeah. trying to build bigger muscles? Are you trying to live longer? Are you trying to, I don't know, um, get pregnant and have kids? Like there's all these various goals that a person can have such that not every biohack or dietary protocol or even pharmaceutical is necessarily going to get you anywhere unless you're very clear as to why and uh, why you're trying to get there and where you're trying to go in the first place. Yes, that's why health podcasts are so tough because yeah. people are like <laughs> saying like, do this, do that. I'm like, and the listener is like, hey, you don't even know me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't even know my no. goals. Uh, I guess same with like a lot of other genres, like financial podcasts, like become a millionaire or spend your whole life working and grinding so you can be make billions. I'm like, dude, you don't even know my life, uh, my life, <laughs> goals, you know, or, or my core values. So of course it all starts there. So I guess to be more specific, let's just focus on how to bump up your total testosterone. That's an easy one to, to cover and more straightforward. And for the listeners, if uh, they're interested in doing this, just know it's, it's best to reach out to someone like, uh, like Nate or someone that specializes in the area. The advice I'm giving out here is more over a conversation between him and I, and not meant to be uh, meant to be like, any advice that you, you want to do. So I'm not like coaching yeah. anyone on this call to make it clear. Amen. Uh, so let's start, let's start with just the basics, right? Let's start with looking at it at an etiology tree. And then that way it's easy to understand step-by-step step in a hierarchical manner. And then we can kind of break down which, uh, which of these blocks to focus on. So we got to look at like, um, a person goes into uh, the clinic, they get their total testosterone taken. It comes in at like 200, 300, which a lot of males are, are at these days, even in their twenties. And, um, that's kind of depressing. The doctor will say, oh, you have kind of like low testosterone, most likely. Right. And that's, that's a good finding. And it's important to start seeing that as like a symptom, right? Because you don't want to get caught in symptom management loopholes because that for sure might at best get you some results short-term and some positive feedback sh short-term for sure. But uh, you're not going to get anywhere medium or long-term kind of managing symptoms. So for the average person, they'll go like, okay, so I have a low 
testosterone, let's say 300 nanograms per deciliter. I'm supposed to be, let's say at 800 or whatever. And um, I should increase my testosterone. And the doctor will go like, okay, so most, not everyone, but most doctors will go, okay, so you got to do testosterone replacement therapy, especially if they're going to our TRT clinic, obviously. And they're like, okay, so I'll, I'll take uh, testosterone and that's it. That's going to solve all my problems. I'm going to feel good, look good. But if you look up a lot of data, maybe there is a, some type of improvement short term if they only do the testosterone route, meaning they only get the injection, for example, or do the cream or the oral or whatever. Uh, but in a long enough in a long enough follow-up, there's typically like no improvement, you know, symptoms return like low energy, low libido, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And the belief system that led to that low testosterone that's important is still there. And even if you take testosterone, if that belief system isn't changed or certain aspects of it aren't changed, it's going to lead to a myriad of other issues uh, with your mental or physical health, which are once again, going to lead to lowering your testosterone or throwing off your hormones in some way or another. So it's important to really see low testosterone as a symptom. Your body is trying to tell you something and it's important to see it as a symptom of typically unsustainable and poor lifestyle and nutritional choices. Okay. No yeah. absolutes, but 98% of the time, this is for sure the case. And let's go ahead and break this down. And once again, for the listeners, this is going to be easy stuff, but I ask you to honestly ask yourself easy stuff to understand, but I honestly ask yourself, like, are you honestly doing this? Yeah. And the answer 99.8% of the time, even with gym goers, no, they're not. And that, that could be one of the reasons why your testosterone remains low and stuff of that sort. So let's kind of break it down and we'll talk about the obvious stuff that has been covered a million times over first. And then the more, uh, less talked about stuff, which I feel is actually honestly more important uh, later. And once again, I have nothing to do today. So if you want to chat for 10 hours, I'm happy to chat about this for forever. <laughs> but I know you, you two guys have a life for sure. So I'll respect your time. Just let me know if you want me to speed it up or slow it down and stuff of that sort. But let's talk about, um, the basic stuff first, that's been covered a million times over. So first and foremost, uh, nutrition is going to be an important part. And I know everyone has heard a podcast on nutrition and stuff of that sort. And it's really impossible to tell a person uh, their nutrition advice without, once again, meeting them and knowing exactly what they were. So I'm going to focus on just sourcing better quality food. And then it's up to the person to determine how to distribute their macros, uh, what to eat on a deload week versus active week, uh, et cetera, et cetera, how many total calories they need to have. So my focus is on when I hear, especially in America, the average person say uh, they eat healthy. I like highly... Uh, doubt that. Because if you question them, I'm like, okay, so what's your definition of eating healthy even mean? They would go, well, um, I'm doing fasting, or I don't eat as much, or I'm doing some kind of fad diet, ABC. So this is a huge stumbling block. And people need to realize that they really need to, if they want to optimize their testosterone, their aesthetics, how they feel, they really do need to customize the nutrition program specifically for their needs and just understand that it's going to change depending on if you're in an accumulation phase, intensification phase, if you're trying to gain muscle, if you're trying to lose body fat, if you're trying to just maintain, if you're an endurance athlete, whatever. And it's, it really does need to be customized to you. And it, it's, it could send you down the wrong path of just listening to stuff online or even reading books, even from credible people, because they never met you personally. 
So that's like a huge stumbling block. And of course, I do highly recommend people become their own mechanics, but just know that's not going to happen by watching TikTok videos. Uh, you need to, you know, read two to three books a week on nutrition and maybe take a few courses and then maybe hire a few mentors and then do a lot of A-B testing and see what works well for you over the years. But one good thing that I could definitely generalize is people need to focus on uh, sourcing better quality food. And we can speak about this on hour, for hours on end, any of these topics today, but I'm just going to summarize these. And of course, if you want to go in more detail, I'll be happy to, to go in a lot more detail on any subject. But, you know, sourcing um, like legitimate grass-fed, grass-finished beef, you know, versus factory farm beef. And eating primarily uh, meats that are fed a species-specific diet is huge. So that would be grass-fed, grass-finished beef, grass-fed, grass-finished bison, deer, elk, wild fish, any wild game is going to be a great source of protein. Uh, even if you get eggs, maybe getting eggs from uh, pasture-raised operations that aren't fed heavy amounts of corn and soy, such as uh, happy-hens.com is a great resource. They can go on that website, even if it's not in your area, at least you can have a good reference of what good farming practices uh, look like in that area. So you could also decrease your toxic load a tremendous amount. You know, the average newborn, especially in your area, you know, is born in a metropolitan area, is born with trace amounts of 200 different chemicals in their bloodstream already of synthetic chemicals from the environment, from the food, from plastics, et cetera, et cetera. So obviously, especially if they're estrogenic chemicals, if the load is high enough, that's going to have an impact on your hormonal balance and eventually your total testosterone as well. Uh, just teaching even people about um, the importance of not drinking tap water and sourcing high quality filtered water, like a Berkey is a great uh, solution. I would even say, unfortunately, these days, because of the contamination of the water, maybe a five-stage reverse osmosis like sink filter would be a great alternative too. Although, unfortunately, you're just absolutely destroying everything in the water at that point. But at least you're decreasing your exposure to uh, a myriad of different chemicals found in tap water, for example, in environment, including pharmaceutical chemicals as well, on a daily basis, especially if you're very physically active. I mean in a hot climate you're looking at drinking like maybe a gallon a day so it adds up you're doing that seven days a week that toxic load could bi biomagnify in your tissue over time yeah um and a lot of these uh especially with farming chemicals for example a lot of these chemicals are are never tested for safety as complete formulations which is important to understand because a lot of times you have a lot of people quoting credible people in nutrition too quoting like oh, you know, it's safe. It's been proven safe to be on your food. So don't worry about it as long as you have it in this dose. It's not toxic, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem is, is um, with a lot of agricultural chemicals, especially pesticides, the complete formulation is never tested for safety. And what I mean by that, by complete formulation is that Roundup weed killer that you find at Home Depot or maybe Walmart, uh, they never take that complete product, spray it on some weeds and then taste the safety or spray it on some crops and then taste the safety on mice. They just test the active ingredient in isolation on its own. So any, I know you know this, and I'm speaking more to your audience here in this vantage point, but any complete formulation is basically composed of active ingredients and a whole bunch of inactive ingredients or inert ingredients, which are meant to kind of support the active ingredient. And a lot of this testing, it is first and foremost done in-house 
by the scientist hired by the chemical company, and then the results are sent to the FDA for approval. So that's one thing you got to consider, okay? So there's a lot of conflict of interest there. B, they never test the complete formulation for safety. They just they test the active ingredient in isolation on its own. That's which right. Never, yeah, which it's never used like that in the real world. If you go visit any farm, they use a myriad of different synthetic biocides in any one crop season. Complete formulations, not only active ingredients of those synthetic biocides. B, uh, C, the dose of those ingredients, the dose of those compounds are never used correctly in the field. They're usually using way more than what they're supposed to be using. It's just the oversight is very wishy-washy and they get away with it quite a bit. So that's another very important thing to consider. A third thing to get, a fourth thing, I'm even losing track of how many things I'm listing here, but a fourth thing to consider is a lot of these chemicals are actually made to be absorbed by the root system of the crop, which those crops, once again, are fed to animals. So this doesn't only apply to vegetarians, it applies to meat eaters as well, because uh, the, the residue, the chemical residue of those crops then biomagnifies into the tissue of the animal. And with the crops that say like, um, I don't know, carrots or apples or whatever, there's no washing that off. Right. The, the residue of the pesticides, just a very small amount on the surface. Most of it is actually embedded in the actual crop itself, which you end up eating. You can't even peel that off, for example. So these things are very important to understand and they completely go under the radar of most people, especially most health conscious people that are even trying to make the right trying thing. to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was one of them for a really long time. Um, that's one of the things that motivated me to write the second book. It just started with um, just trying to find healthy eggs, man. That's all I wanted. I wasn't <laughs> on a mission to save the world or I'm not even on a mission now. I just wanted healthy food. And you find when you actually start looking into it, especially with the American food supply, how tough it is to find that food. It is very easy now, just some websites I've been able to find to make it super easy for your listeners. Check out uh, americangrassfed.org, scroll to the bottom of the website, click on the interactive map. You'll get a laundry list of legitimate regenerative farms that you can select from. Most all of them ship directly to you. Companies I personally had a great experience with were azgrassraisedbeef.com, uh, amazing webs, uh, amazing company in Arizona that is AGA certified, which is pretty much like the gold standard of grass-fed certifications. So you know it's a legitimate grass-fed product that's able to be grass-fed throughout all of the seasons of production. So yeah. the grass-fed certification, they do on-site inspection, which doesn't happen with most uh, with most grass-fed operations. Most grass-fed operations, you just kind of uh, say you're grass-fed, submit some paperwork, and that's it. No one's yeah. going to come check and nothing. And um, one of my good friends, which I'm actually doing a research project with right now at Michigan State University, uh, Dr. Uh, Jason Roundtree, they selected a bunch of grass-fed products at the supermarket. This is what you as a consumer are exposed to, tested its nutritional profile and the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio on pretty much half of the products came in like grain-fed beef, for oh, example. Wow. So it's very, uh, it's not as easy to find as most people think. Is it the biggest player in upping your testosterone? I'd say it's not like the, the, the deal breaker, but I'm just showing you just even in this facet of the journey, and it's a long list of stuff we're going to go over today, how confusing it already gets and how misled people are. And then they wonder why, uh, 
you know, they're trying all this stuff and it seems like if they do get, even get rid of one symptom, like one health issue, just another health issue pops up and right. they spend their whole entire life, just chasing one symptom after another, after another, which is great money for the healthcare system, no doubt. But I just, I, I really feel bad for uh, the patient because yeah. they're sick their entire life. They're struggling with one mental or physical illness their whole entire life from one thing to another or the same thing plus stacking other things as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Common scenario as well. Uh, so uh, Eugene, let, let me interject something to go back to something you had said before about the FDA. So first off, before I even get into that, I remember like you, when I was in college, I was trying to find good produce and I didn't have a lot of money, but it was like, okay, I'll buy the like moderately good produce that seems pretty organic compared to this other junk. There was like two grocery stores in Pittsburgh, my hometown. Giant Eagle was the big brand out there, like Kroger's is in, in most of the Midwest. And there was one that was down the street in that direction and one the other direction. And the one, you know, to my left, if I went west, was going to be like slightly better. So I would go there and try to do my best to use my money to buy the right things. And then I would get like um, a wash, like a vegetable rinse. And I thought that I was doing the right thing. But then, of course, you start to learn more and more. And as you said, it's actually on the one hand, when, when you're growing vegetables in crappy soil that has all these pollutants in it and toxic stuff in it, it becomes incorporated into the carrot, as you said. So it's not enough to wash it. But then furthermore, when you're add, adding specifically nitrogen-based fertilizers to soil, you end up making that soil like, like a not a living soil anymore. The yeah. soil becomes dependent on chemical inputs. So yeah. these farmlands that for two or three generations of crappy conventional farming, which we can't blame the farmers, there's a lot of government subsidies that go towards producing specific crops. The use of these fertilizers and other, these other chemical additives has actually made the, the soil completely dead in and of itself. So you get like a dead carrot that grows out of dead, dead soil. And then the next thing I'll say, I, I want to add before you go on, this is awesome, by the way, is that I'm working on a course right now called Clear and Free. It's a it's your solution to persistent HPV. It's around the immune system and how, you know, eating the proper diet and everything can help boost your immune system to clear HPV and blah, blah, blah. But a big part of this has been diving into the the um, the additive ingredients, let's say, you know, the adjuvants, as they call them, the aluminum salts and whatnot in um, vaccine vials. And there's a, there's a couple, there's a whole bunch of weird things that are in vaccine vials, but like polysorbate 80, it's an emulsifying agent. When you look at the research, the FDA has granted approval for these medicines to be released to the public. And the FDA says itself, all ingredients used in a licensed product and any diluent provided as an aid in the administration of the product shall meet generally accepted standards of purity and quality. So this is our oversight body, the Food and Drug Administration. Yet, all that that little phrase means when you ask them, hey, has each of these individual ingredients been studied? When the FDA responds to that, they're saying, we, we know that all of those additives are of the highest purity and quality. Well, like how much of an aluminum salt, no matter how pure or high quality is okay in our bodies in injectable form. You could say the same about literally every other agent mm -hmm. that's used in our food system. Yep. So we've got a big problem here, you know, and it would be nice if we could lean on some of these three and four letter organizations to do this job for us. But frankly, I think that it's time for us to really start like getting our noses in the books and having conversations like this so we can fully understand the complexities around why that organic stamp doesn't necessarily mean squat or some other certification. So 
anyways, go on as you were, I'd love for you to, to clarify a little bit what sorts of labels you actually look for in order to ensure that you're getting the highest quality produce or beef or whatever. If you, if you can go down that path a little bit too. Hey guys, it's Nathan. Sorry for this brief interruption, but I got to tell you about a new offering that I'm going to be making available this fall. You've heard about the Born Free Method. That's our comprehensive pregnancy and postpartum program that includes 12 months of weekly calls, 100 plus video modules, tons of citations around pregnancy and postpartum. Well, Born Free is an umbrella under which there's going to be a lot of other courses. And the second course in this anthology is called Clear and Free, Your Solution to Persistent HPV. It's a collaborative effort between me and Mimi Linquist of the Medicine Podcast. She um, is a relative expert in, uh, I say relative because I don't consider anybody a full expert in anything, but Mimi has gone deep into human papillomavirus and some of the ways that we can use lifestyle to augment the immune system in hopes that your routine screening for HPV or your routine pap smears are going to come up negative and clear. So you can go another three to five years and not even think about it until your next um, appointment, whereby hopefully you'll screen negative again. So the typical path that many women experience of all ages in their OBGYN clinic is, hey, you're due for a pap smear and we're going to test for HPV as well. If one of those comes back abnormal, your OBGYN is going to say, oh, darn it, it's abnormal. Why don't you come back for a repeat screening in six months or 12 months? And this process continues, right, until you end up with either a progression of abnormal cells in the cervix caught on pap smear or a persistence of human papillomavirus, meaning your body has not been able to integrate the message of this virus, right? Remember, viruses are not living things. So in the meantime, your OBGYN or your midwife or nurse practitioner hasn't given you any tools in order to help support your immune system through diet, through movement, through sleep, through stress management, through hydration, through all of those modifiable lifestyle factors so that you can be sure that if you had an HPV um, positive screen initially, that the next time it's going to be negative. Now, the other part of that conversation, of course, is, hey, I got the HPV vaccine. Aren't I safe now? Well, the problem with Gardasil 9, which is the primary vaccine that is offered to young men and women as early as age nine, has not been demonstrated to be either effective at preventing cervical cancer nor safe because of the aluminum adjuvants and everything else. So there's a lot of controversy around HPV and cervical cancer and even cervical cancer screening methods along with this vaccine. What do I do? Should I get it? Should I not get it? Should my little girls get this vaccine? And so Given this sort of swirling <laughs> pool of information and misinformation out there, I went deep as well. And Mimi and I teamed up in order to clarify for everybody out there the realities around what HPV and cervical cancer screening looks like, what can be done while you're waiting for your follow-ups in order to support your immune system to integrate the message of that virus and avoid any abnormal cells developing and hopefully avoid painful biopsies or even worse, leap procedures, cold knife comb procedures, and of course, worst case scenario, cervical cancer. There's so much that's in your power. Your doctors, your practitioners probably aren't maybe educated or incentivized to share all of that information, but we're going to do that through this course, as well as all of the realities around vaccines, especially Gardasil 9. Um, We look at data from the United States and elsewhere in the world. We speak to um, attorneys who are litigating on this topic around Gardasil 9. 
What you can expect from the course is around 90 lessons self-guided. And we're going to also offer monthly calls for six months after you enroll with me and Mimi, where we're going to be able to answer all of your questions and provide you with that support that perhaps you aren't getting from the healthcare professionals that you've entrusted um, your, your cervical cancer screening and your well woman care. So we get into HPV, we get into cervical cancer screening, we get into the immune system, vaccines, viruses. It's everything you've wanted to know about any of those topics. Go to the link in the show notes and you'll find your way to book an enrollment call and we'll get you enrolled right there. We're going to be enrolling in October. I hope to see you there. Yeah, no problem. And again, you're welcome to speak as much as possible because sometimes these podcasts end up being like a monologue, I feel like I keep going <laughs> on. But I also love to hear what the hosts have to say because oftentimes they're actually health experts themselves as well and have like a cool different vantage point of looking at things and stuff of that sort. So don't feel bothered. Just happy cool. to throw <laughs> ideas back and forth, just kind of basically meeting you at a coffee shop here to chat as friends. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, with um, with chemical agriculture, it's always it's always the same story. They release a chemical, they're like, oh, it's perfectly safe, tested for safety, blah, blah, blah. 20 years goes by. Oh, actually, you know, it causes cancer. Okay, we're going to get rid of it. Then a new one comes along. It's the same thing. Oh, tested for safety, rigorous testing, this and that. 20 years goes by. Ah, oh, actually, uh, we said it wasn't persistent in the environment, but it's actually leaching on pretty much everything. And like glyphosate's like 80 percent of rainwater these days in the U.S., I was like, okay, we'll get rid of it. It's the same story over and over again. So with anything health related, I always go by uh, guilty until proven. Right. I got that from <laughs> Corpier. So just presume it's not healthy for you. If basically, um, no absolutes, but ninety nine point nine percent of the time, just presume it's not healthy for you, uh, and that's it. Just go with that, you know. And, and is it going to prevent? everything no because just by living in this environment you're exposed to toxicity for sure but yeah. you can do a lot also to decrease your tox toxic load which will not only decrease your chances of all sorts of cancers being formed throughout your life etc cetera, etc cetera, uh, but also help you in terms of our topic here most likely with increasing your testosterone just having vitality more vitality in your life by just decreasing your toxic load uh overall but i mean yeah, I mean, the labels are all over, all over the place. Um, I forgot exactly your question, but you uh, with with the crop. Uh, so first of all, with the financial thing, I have to I have a thing with this one because, yes, some people for sure can't afford organic or better quality food. And there are various levels of, of integrity of improvement. Right. So most Americans would improve just by simply eating single ingredient foods only. So the steak, the chicken. The broth, even if it's factory farm, that's still a huge upgrade from what they're doing now anyways. Uh, so that'll be a super massive improvement already. And if you really want to go up a level, you can start with uh, going from factory farm stuff to at least USDA organic stuff. Right, There's a right. little room here, a large conversation we can have with what the USDA organic label even means these days. But it's still a huge upgrade because it will actually, the label still is good for decreasing people's exposure to synthetic biocides and GMOs, also uh, beta agonists, steroids, antibiotic use in poultry or any animal products in general. 
and stuff of that sort. And if people want to go up another level, then they can go more towards like pasture raised meats that are fed a species specific diet and biodynamic crops, et cetera. And if they want to go even a level up from that, I'll just go towards like wild game, wild fish, uh, which is kind of more of what I'm leaning towards since April. I've only been eating elk, deer, wild fish, and then uh, grass-fed, like legitimate AGA certified grass-fed beef or bison uh, one day a week. But the rest of the time, yeah. I'm just eating elk, deer. Who knows if it's going to have an impact, right? I'm just going to going to do a 12-month experiment on it. The blood work was already looking good just doing all the stuff I'm going to mention here. Uh, but I'll just see. I just always go off the premise, like the further from farming you get away from, the better the food quality is always going to be in the sense of the more optimal and healthy it's going to be for you. Yeah. The more farming, the more human hands that are on that food, the worse it's going to become. Right. Uh, with do, process, do you know, the worse the do, worse. do you know Monsal Denton down in Austin? The sacred hunting. Yeah, uh, uh, sacred hunting. I spoke to him uh, a few times via text only. Yeah, he's a he's really interesting. He has these like really strict principles, and the guy's he's a wild man. He's outside all day. He's hunt, you know, doing most of his time hunting. And when he's not hunting, and he's back in Austin, he's at Barton Springs all day, in water, in sunshine, barefoot, you know, just being in the grass amongst the trees, getting fresh air. And he has a principle. He's he's so principled in his eating that he only eats meat that he kills. So it makes it almost impossible for him to go to restaurants, but he's actually saving himself quite a bit of money. And he gets the benefit of being in nature and the solitude and the, uh, you know, less technology and distraction being out there, which is actually very challenging as a hunter. If you're really doing like a stock and prey kind of, uh, kind of, um, or a, a move and stock kind of style of hunting, but man, um, he did a semen analysis. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but I was like floored by how high quality his sperm and the motility and everything was. And he's definitely not using any pharmaceuticals and he definitely has a lot of testosterone around and he's definitely got a lot of muscle on his body, but he's eating very, very little from any grocery store. So he doesn't even think about labels. Like he, he's just like, I only eat meat if I, if I killed it. Cause that's the only way to know for sure that this was wild game that's been, you know, grazing on wild grass and, and whatever. And, um, that's probably not accessible to all of us, but if we don't, if we if we just continue to teach to the like lower end of the curve, then we're never going to get anywhere. So we have to also recognize that there is an ideal, like there is a very, very good way to eat. And if you can't afford to do everything that you're talking about today, that's okay. Like you said, take little baby steps, every little thing that you replace in your diet, whether it's like a vegetable oil being replaced with, I don't know, avocado oil or something like doing these little basic things. If that's all you can afford to start with, just do that. Like there's no reason to try to be perfect here. Yeah. My argument is uh, most Americans could afford to do everything we're talking about here. So just to give you an idea in terms of the nutrition topic here, uh, the average American does spend about eight to $16,000 a year on non-essential expenses without yeah. even thinking twice about it. Yeah. And pretty much 99% of these expenses are sugar highs at best eating out, uh, drinking alcohol, travel, uh, cigarettes, prescription services, cig cigarettes, um, uh, the new iPhone, you know, like you really even need that. You know what I mean? Just a lot yeah. of these non-essential expenses. Uh, once again, one of my sayings is like sick people can't make healthy decisions or they wouldn't be mm -hmm. sick to begin with. And unfortunately, a lot of people are funding their own pathology unknowingly. Yeah. Uh, due to the fact that they really don't have a good solid 
set of core values, like well-defined core values. So obviously they fall victim to marketing propaganda very, very easily and kind of confuse that for their own core values, mm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's eight to $16,000 a year for at least a grocery store level, USDA organic diet. That's 2000 calories a day. It's going to cost you about 5,000 a year with today's prices too, 5,000 wow. a year. So of course, no absolutes. I'm sure some people definitely can't afford it, but they're spending eight to $16,000 a year on all these non-essential expenses. How do you not have $5,000 a year for organic food? And that's because marketing in the U S has done a very good job at making Americans believe what's not important is actually important. And what is important isn't important, you know, and stuff of that sort. So yeah. uh, that's a long conversation too, but just to give you an idea, like they have the money. Uh, also, if you count, uh, what's what's the number one number one reason for personal bankruptcy in the U.S. accounting for seventy percent of all personal bankruptcies? Health issues. Mm, okay, yeah. like how much is a bankruptcy going to cost you? B. Uh, what's I mean, this is up your kind of a little bit more up your alley, uh, but I think just loss of attraction, like physical attraction to the partner, is the second reason, second leading reason for divorce, top of financial issues. Okay, so what's like that going to cost you? Yeah, and then on top yeah. of that. Um, America right now is spending about cumulatively in terms of health expenses, $14,000 a year per citizen. And right now, nine out of 10 Americans are metabolically sick. Mm. So that's nine out of 10 with 50% of them, um, uh, predicted to be obese by 2030. So right around the, the corner. And if you count overweight and obese, it's about 90% of the population. And if you look up at the fact that. 70% of all personal bankruptcies happen because of health issues and yeah, 90% of the population is unhealthy. That's going to be disastrous economically in the, in the near future, not even in like some hypothetical few hundred years from now kind of situation. Yeah. In the near Preach, future. Maybe. <laughs> I, like, I also read uh, that the U S I don't know, I, this number is going to be wrong. I'm pretty sure some guru online is going to put up a video of me, see, and these numbers are wrong. So this is just a guesstimate, but I think it was like 30% of the total GDP of the U S was spent on helping people with their health issues. So just that sounds, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, we're talking trillions of dollars are being spent on like conventional healthcare alone. So, and we know that, I mean, that's a pretty obvious statistic that you can, you can go to the, probably the department of, of, of whatever the Bureau of labor statistics or whatever. Um, we can see how, well, it's probably not the Bureau of Labor Statistics, but you know, I, I've, I've, we know what the cost of, of healthcare is. We compare, we've seen it compared to all these other countries. And despite us spending so much, we're not getting much more um, with regards to longevity or health span for sure. Um, so Eugene, I'm going to take us back to, so we were talking about how to optimize, you know, the lifestyle, right? And, and we, we, we could go really, really deep into the food system and everything else. Um, I encourage everybody to go and buy your book. I, I want people to really understand this topic. And for how much is your book? Uh, I think it's like 15 bucks. So for know, 15 yeah. bucks, <laughs> that's a really great use of your, your money as opposed to another bottle of wine. So go and buy the book. Like let's, we're going to be looping back into this, but let's get back on, let's get back to it, sort of in the interest of time. Yes. What are some of the other things that we should be considerate of when we're looking at our serum testosterone levels and what one might experience as optimal health as a man? Yeah. So another big one that's totally free 
and anyone can do. And I know it's simple. Everyone's going to go, ha ha, I know it, sleeping. <laughs> it's huge. And that alone, if you master that and get super quality sleep, that can bump you up a few hundred nanograms per deciliter alone. Amazing. So what what is good sleep? So I'll define it generally as sleeping between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. So your body generally repairs itself from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. physically and 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. mentally, you know, having an important nighttime ritual and morning ritual and getting up early enough to make sure, you know, you're out of energy by the end of the day. And then also I'm a huge believer in 20 minute midday naps, uh, especially after a workout. Usually my morning routine is like I get up at 630 ish or so, you know, I uh, drink some coffee always in glass, you know, organic coffee, just a cup, like very small, like one cup, nothing crazy. I go to the gym, I get back from the gym, I take a shower, I eat a meal, and then I take a 20 minute nap right after, uh, right after then begin my day. And that makes a huge difference in terms of your energy production, as well as how rested you feel, which is gonna be super important for keeping your testosterone high. Because unfortunately, a lot of people are too on the go these days. Uh, average American is sleeping like five hours a day, you know, getting up. Um, and just basically working all day, you know, hustling and going there and, and that and that. And we'll touch on central nervous system management, which is huge too. Yes, please. Oftentimes, um, it's kind of a tough conversation because the thing that made America great is also the thing that's destroying a lot of Americans. And that's the mm. work culture. You know, the thing that made America great in various ways, not every way, is also ironically what's destroying a lot of people's, you know, happiness and health and stuff of that sort. So sleeping between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. Once again, for the listener, I know it's easy to understand, but are you really doing it? Mm. And sometimes they're like, yeah, I'm going to sleep at 10 p.m. Okay, cool. You're going to sleep at 10 p.m. You're on your phone for an hour. You're really falling asleep at 11 p.m. And if you average out your uh, time during the week, you just lost seven hours of physical repair time in one week. And you've been yeah. doing that for like 10 years. No wonder yeah. you can't recover from workouts and your testosterone is so is so low. You're just running on exhaustion and adrenal fatigue, basically, especially combined with people's financial stress these days, unfortunately. You know, uh, according to Robert Kawasaki, the average American has like less than a thousand bucks to his name. That's pretty stressful. Oh, yeah. Because that's one car, whatever, uh, mishap away from just being out of money completely or, or being in the negative. So sleep. Another important thing is uh, using like... Uh, obviously working out. And again, I'm just like, these things are so obvious, but no, no, no one's really doing it. Or if they are doing it, they're, they're not doing it right for themselves because a lot of times people are just operating in a very fatigued state. And if they're already very exhausted and they're doing something like CrossFit or high intensity training, for example, it just sends them deeper into exhaustion. And of course your body's producing testosterone when it's resting, when it's well rested, not when it's exhausted and constantly, you know, fighting off the stresses of the world. So that's going to play a huge role. So I found great results with clients of all ages by putting them on a well-designed undulating periodization program. Uh, and it needs to Let's be talk customized. about that. Yeah. And it just is, I mean, it's very simple. It's been around for a very long time. Everyone has a slightly different way of doing it. I'm sure I just kind of cycled in between like an accumulation phase and intensification phase, and then just back to back, just recycle those two phases and just gradually uh, basically start at a higher rep and higher volume and just gradually decrease the reps and volume as you go on. I'm a huge, huge believer in including a deload week once every three, three to four weeks or so. I think this is huge. A deload week is basically you don't do as much volume or as much intensity 
for one week out of the four weeks of a training cycle. And this is huge because uh, you don't want to keep running your body at uh, 100 miles an hour all the time. That's going to wear you down. And what pace it needs to be done is going to depend from person to person too. Obviously, if they're like super stressed out and working 80 hours a week, you're going to need to adjust everything in the program to that person. They might not even be able to work out. It might be pointless for them to work out until they get their energy system back to at least somewhat normal. And then incorporate uh, light intensity exercise and then kind of build off there once they become healthier enough. But uh, as you know, the average person is like five hours of sleep. They're um, very overweight on a few pharmaceutical drugs, uh, not living in alignment with their core values on a bunch of uh, poor diet, et cetera, et cetera. So it it would be a bad idea for them to do high intensity training or training with a lot of volume. Um, but that's what's advertised, you know? You So the average person goes online and they see people pushing themselves really hard. So they're like, this is what I must do. But I'm like, no, in fact, like I've learned over the years, just leaving one to two reps in the tank every set, I've actually been able to build a better body and have less tweaks in my physique than going to absolute Conan berserker style and just beating yourself down. Although from time to time, it's still cool to do, but it's just not a regular, regular thing of my uh, training schedule. So it's important to really be on a well-designed program for you, what your goals are. So if you're training for aesthetics, the program needs to emphasize aesthetics. If you're training for running or you want to be a power lifter or whatever, better at hunting, it needs to be tailored to that. I think that's so important. Always back to goals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's so important to be crystal clear on what you're trying to achieve. And sure, you can follow stuff online like our podcast here, but really, we never met you. You know, we don't know your exact situation, your exact starting place. And it's easy for a person that doesn't know much about that field to take information out of context. That's so easy. That happens all the time. And they try to apply it. And um, they don't get anywhere. And then they do something silly, like blame their genetics, you know, or something. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be pretty, I used to be pretty obsessive with exercise. I was like an Ironman distance triathlete and I was a CrossFit coach and I was doing all this. I got my Olympic weightlifting certification and I was just like punishing myself all the time in the gym. And when I would travel, this is kind of going back to something you said about, about periodization. When I would travel, then I didn't have heavy weights and I actually would beat myself up for not working out. You know, I'd feel bad that I didn't get to the gym because I'm so consistent all the time. But the beauty of it was, oh, I'm on a week of vacation. I'm sleeping more. And as long as I'm still eating, you know, great food and hydrating well, my like, I like want to have sex again. And I, my skin clears up and I, you know, I don't end up with this like dandruffy pattern in my beard and hair. And I get back to my workouts and I'm like beefier than ever. It's like that week of rest actually was so much better for my body. Like just taking a week, I, I just challenge everybody, if you're going to go on a week of vacation, embrace the sleep, embrace the relaxation, the, the not having to multitask and all of that. Forget the gym. Just allow yourself to just be still. And all of those systems within your operating system, if you want to call it that, they're all going to benefit from that. And then long term, that actually plays out. So once a, you know one week per month, if you're consistent, might be a perfect time to just take your foot off the gas and make sure you're optimizing the other things and take a break from exercise. It works like a charm. I've been doing it now for years. Yeah. D- once again, deload weeks, they're miraculous for recovery and also just proper 
building out your program properly, uh, not including too many sets, but just the right amount, you know, to get things moving and stuff of that sort. And, um, and stuff of that, damn it, I wanted to say something totally just blanked out on it. But uh, um, stuff of that sort. So when traveling, I used to do it a lot. I don't do it anymore. I usually try to take a week off completely every 12 weeks of training. Mm. So every three cycles, I take a week off completely. And I usually try to schedule my travel, my uh, that week off during those periods of travel. Uh, that way you can just take the whole time off and you could also enjoy your trip a bit more too, instead of sure. stressing about like even bringing bands and having to do that workout in like a hotel or Airbnb, which always kind of sucks, you know, and then uh, stuff of that sort. But the, the key point, we can talk about this one for hours. I know people are going to destroy me for saying this. I personally found greater gains by taking away barbell back squats, front squats, and deadlifts from my routine. No and kidding. I feel far no. more rested, uh, far more rested during the week as well, because it's not so taxing on the central nervous system. Because obviously with like a squat and a deadlift, I mean, you're using like everything in your body. And I also found um, personally for me, and I just stopped doing it with a lot of my clients too, unless they really insisted on it or it's needed for their specific goal. Uh, it's just the, the mind muscle connection isn't really there. So for aesthetics, which is mainly what I'm concerned with, uh, you can just develop a better looking body and more customized physique look by excluding those huge movements because those movements might also overdevelop muscles that are already overly developed, but they're included in the left lift, whether you want to include them or not. Right. Right. So it could, it could throw your physique off visually. If that's mm. a concern, if not, yeah. there's a lot of, uh, reasons for integration and function to include those movements, which is just not a concern for me. And it's just, I could do construction work and climb mountains and go hunting just fine on my routine of having yeah. Yeah. any issues at all. Again, so, again, the goals, like for the young dads out there, it may not be that you're going to be the biggest, buffest dude in the gym anymore, but you sure as hell need to make sure that you can crawl on the ground and lift heavy bags, like with one arm and one kid in the other arm and rotate and translate this into daily life. I, I always tell people, like, if you're approaching a time where you think you might be ready to have kids and you and your partner want to know what to do, right? All of this stuff applies. You just have to like translate it then into what your actual life as a father means. Like, so I'm not doing dead. I do deadlift maybe like once a week, but it's just because I want my nervous system to remember what it feels like to pick up 300 pounds. Like, let's just remember this. Okay, good. You're good. Like, we don't need to do this as a three sets of five necessarily. Although that's, I usually do five sets of five if I'm going to do like a heavy lift because I don't get to do it very often. But the point here is at some point your goals may change. And if the aesthetics and everything else change, you have to let go of that old identity and you have mm -hmm. to re-embrace, what's the point of this? Why am I spending an hour in the gym doing this? I don't even spend an hour in the gym anymore. It's, I just don't have that time. But there's ways to still accomplish the benefits of exercise without taking the Arnold Schwarzenegger approach of six cool. hour sessions, you know? Um, so mm -hmm. we have to kind of reframe and reimagine what does, what does exercise look like now that our life looks like this? And it could be just body weight stuff, or it could be hunting or hiking or carrying your kids on your shoulders. Man, that is a workout. Carrying your kid for like an, an, a mile, a three-year-old on your shoulders, the core stability, like my hips, my calves, everything's engaged. Like that's a full workout. So anyways, I, I digress. So we've you talked gotta, about, yeah, go ahead. You got to get, get a stroller, Nate. 
<laughs> What's that? <laughs> how do you how do you spell that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, in the airports is the funniest because like we we arrived in Atlanta for a connecting flight, and for whatever reason the train was down, and we were on like Terminal A, and we had to get to Terminal E or whatever. And Atlanta is just a long, 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 long airport. So we were running, and my wife. We also were carrying ceramic tiles back from Mexico, which we've since put on our our stairs. And we had two roller boards with each a box of like 150 tiles. So they were like 80 pounds, each of the uh, the roller boards. And we had our two kids and we had the double stroller. So I strapped the 18 month old to my chest. Stephanie, my wife, put Penny, our three and a half year old, in the stroller, put one of the roller boards in the stroller. And then I was running with the roller board behind me with a little girl strapped to my chest and she's getting all concussed. But man, we like sprinted for probably a mile and a half, you know, through this airport and made it to our gate. And, um, for, you know, you could look at it as like, wow, you got your workout in. That's what everybody says. But what I, the way I see it is fortunately we're still active in our daily lives so that we can do this without hurting ourselves and, you know, running ourselves into the ground either. So. Yeah. And that goes back to really being crystal clear on what you're trying to achieve and what you need out of your life. And then getting you know your fitness goals to align with that so for sure yeah i mean if you want to play around with your kids a good thing to do then would be to determine the weight of your kids and just work with that weight you know as your goal weight through different ranges of motion uh and also different dynamic movements because that's what's going to happen with your uh, dealing with your kids obviously they're going to be yeah. like running around like crazy and stuff like that actually I don't have any kids myself it's just off what I've seen from Disney movies. You've <laughs> heard, you've heard from, heard from Mr. Walt from, Disney. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what I heard from, uh, from, from people like yourself, but getting on a proper program is key. Um, finding stuff online that's taken out of context will maybe produce results short term, but you will definitely hit plateaus. You need really good understanding of periodization. Um, there are a bunch of books on this, either learn how to be your own mechanic or hire someone to help you. Those are your only two options. Okay, but watching stuff online, and it's, it's not going to take you far. Okay, yeah, and definitely the guys with the great physiques that you're watching online, have good coaching, they're not watching other people online and trying to copy them. So let's, let's make that uh, clear, just so people don't waste their time. Yeah. I know it's tempting to get free information. But it's just unfortunately not that easy. You know, if it was, you know, everyone would be looking crazy, and also being very athletic and stuff of that sort, right? So, so, so Eugene, just again, just in the interest of time, we've got yeah. about 20 minutes left. Um, okay, we've, we've covered food. I mean, we could go deep on any of these topics, food, we've covered sleep, we've covered, um, some biomechanics and, and, and exercise. What are, uh, do you have an, an additional, you've got like four or five more things that you recommend, right? Maybe we could gloss over those and then figure out where are the most impactful things that people could do. And then we might even have to do a part two to elaborate on some of these other topics because you're a, 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 a sort of a breath of fresh air and a wealth of knowledge. So Nate, sorry, man, I kind of blew this one out of the water because I only covered about 10% of the <laughs> you know, I, I was going too slow. I knew I should have asked how long we had on because let's, I did this let's, Why don't we plan to do a part two? Why don't you pick okay. one more? Let's go a little deep on one more and then okay. we'll come back and we'll do the other 75%. <laughs> Okay, that'd be cool. So I think like an important one too, that's that's kind of straightforward is, uh, I think it's important, especially for the American audience to coach them on central nervous system management. Yeah, and how the central that. nervous system has ideally evolved to function. So ideally, 
if we look at throughout the 200,000 years of Homo sapien evolution and two plus million years of just the different, you know, 28 plus human species that have come and gone, I forget how many they found at this point. Uh, how has their central nervous system functioned and allowed them to survive? Because that's the only purpose of the central nervous system, to get you to survive better in the external world, right? So outside of just the last 10,000 years, basically you're, you're dealing with hunter-gatherers for the most part. I mean, their life was basically, let's look at my region, Ukraine and Moldova, um, hunting mammoths, right? You're in a small tribe, you're in the forest, basically you're very wooded areas your whole entire life. Uh, hunting, you know, this mammoth may be actually stressful in the moment, you know, uh, you might lose a person in your tribe and sure it spikes that cortisol quite a bit, but then after it's killed, especially in the winter, you don't have to go hunting for quite a long time. Mm. And most of the time is just spent, uh, hanging out with your tribe. Basically what everyone does for their week vacation is that's how 99% of people's lives looked before industrialization for the most part, you know, uh, you're, you're in the forest. Uh, you're drinking mountain spring water, basically. You're eating wild game, wild uh, fish, wild crops, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You're in the sun all day, uh, stuff of that sort. So there is a spike in cortisol, and then there's valleys of literally no stress going on. So, and I got a lot of this from Robert Sapowski, Dr. Robert Sapowski, in his book, Why Zebras Don't Get All Ulcers. Yeah, that's a great, a great one. resource. Um, and he has a lot of free stuff online too, if people don't want to get a, don't, don't want to buy the book. Uh, so he's nice enough to put that out there. And, but unfortunately these days, what you have is an abundance of micro stresses combined with macro stresses. And that's what people deal with. So the average person getting up once again, five hours of sleep, uh, downing a whole cup of coffee, uh, spiking their cortisol, getting on the freeway, actually driving is fairly stressful. Oh, too. Yeah. It takes a, a lot of people don't know because they've been doing it for so long, but it takes a lot of energy for your central nervous system to be able to keep you alert enough to stay in the lanes, navigate with all the cars, the stoplights, et cetera, et cetera. So they get on the freeway, get stuck in traffic. There's cortisol spike right there. Get to work. They're probably not doing a job they like, not working around a coworker or two. There's always that one person in the office you don't like to see. That's going to spike your cortisol. And once again, it's chronic because you're around them like eight hours a day, you go out to lunch, you eat this highly inflammatory food with probably another cup of coffee. Then you get back to work. It's another four hours of that, maybe uh, a deadline that you have to worry about. Then you get back on the freeway. You're stuck in traffic for like an hour or two with all those micro stress. You get home. Probably most people are not in an ideal personal relationship either. There's a bunch of micro stresses as well, probably macro stresses as well. And there's the financial aspect of life, these bills, that bills, this kid, now my kid's doing this. And you can see it's like an abundance of chronic low-grade stress, which a lot of Americans are okay with. They've normalized it. But if you look at how the central nervous system functions, it doesn't deal well with low-grade chronic stress. It deals well with those high stressful situations, hunting a mammoth, followed by nothing going on. But unfortunately, you have the ultra terrible combo today of macro stresses, deadlines at work, fight with your boss, followed by a never ending bombardment of micro stresses. And this combination is extremely detrimental to your central nervous system, shoots your cortisol through the roof, which sets your 
which sets a dysregulation in your HPA regulation, which will have a negative impact on your total testosterone. For oh, sure. yeah, absolutely. And that goes back to the American way of life for most people these days, just unsustainable. And that's the hard question, you know? When you tell them that, they're like, well, shit, what am I supposed to do? Right. Well, I can tell you what's worked for me and it's probably worked for, uh, and everyone has done it differently. But uh, working, you know, two days a week remotely for me is huge, made a huge impact on the quality of my health, because not only do I now have more time to sleep in if I want, you know, that way you're never losing sleep. Uh, you also have plenty of time to work out. And guess what? You have plenty of time to do nothing, which is great, too. You don't always have to be doing something. And that is huge. That rest and recovery is going to be huge to boost up your total testosterone. And uh, working remotely is great if you can do it because it, it will help distance you uh from that one coworker that you don't like working with you know from having to get on the freeway it'll give you probably two or three hours of extra time per day which is more than enough to take care of yourself to sleep a little bit more uh to go do errands so you don't feel that stacking up uh, throughout the week etc cetera, etc cetera, and a myriad of other benefits as well um and these little things once again they're so easy to understand, but are you really doing it? Mm. That, that's where the magic happens, you know? And I would say most people aren't, or we wouldn't be in the situation where we are today with, with the health of the country. And I would say, I would make the argument based on just myself and then also just a lot of the clients I coached, you could get your total testosterone up to like 800 in your 50s. You know, like I gave you that example of the 56 year old. Client. Yeah. No, that is normal those are normal levels when right. you're living like right. a normal human being. But of course, yeah. when you're not, A, it becomes very complicated of how to manage the damage control and B, it just never works out long-term. And the people that claim it does work out, I would, I would, I would argue it's, they're not being truthful in their claims. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I wish we could hang out. I got to move to San Antonio and, and we can, uh, <laughs> We'd be, we'd be having 10 hour coffee sessions. I really appreciate this. Well, that's um, why I told you like, I'm down to do it for 10 hours. I brought like, two yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I have a, I I've got a, some other engagements. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a pin in here and we will circle back to cover the rest of this conversation in another part. Um, if I could do three and a half hour podcasts, I would but I, I just have too many other flaming chainsaws in the air. And I need like a couple assistants circulating like buzzards around me, keeping me on, you know, on track for what I have to get done. But Eugene, um, thank you so much. You are, uh, you've got quite a bit to share with my community. So if people want to find you, Eugene underscore Trufkin, T-R-U-F-K-I-N. Um, and your, your, your legal name is Evgeny, right? Like Malkin? Evgeny. Yep, Evgeny Trufkin, yeah. yeah. Got it. So all of, uh, of Eugene's books are, uh, his, his author name is Evgeny in case you're, you're, you're confused when you go to Amazon, but the anti, anti factory farm shopping guide and laws of aesthetics, which has a longer subtitle, we'll put everything in the show notes at holist at, um, belovedholistics.com as well as in the podcast description. And Eugene, you're welcome back anytime, my man. Um, Anything else you want to share with people on how to find you or something, you know, you're really excited to share with the, with the audience before we sign off? No, I am. I am starting a new research project with uh, Dr. Jason Runtree from Michigan State University on optimizing the nutritional profile of beef and soil. Wow. Uh, 
so I just kind of visited them last week and we're drawing up some blueprints, but basically how to uh, copy and paste model of how to produce beef that has a good omega-3 to omega-6 ratio and, and honestly like just a much higher nutritional profile while actually uh, bringing more life back to the soil at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, if you're listening and you want to follow up, I mean, there's going to be people listening, Eugene, that have experience with soil health and whatnot. Best way to find you is through Trufkin Athletics or at Eugene underscore Trufkin on Instagram. Is that good? So I think Eugene underscore Trufkin is a fake account. Uh, I forgot what my real account was. I have like, there are a couple of fake Eugene accounts on Instagram and Instagram doesn't delete them, unfortunately. <laughs> I email them, but they don't reply and they've been on there for years already. There's a, I, my website is truffkinathletics.com. My email is there. So if anyone wants to email me, I'm just happy to provide them a lot of resources they can take action on and stuff of that sort. Beautiful. Thank you. I, I don't know. I, now, I, now I'm curious what your actual Instagram handle is, but we'll, we'll put yeah, it in the show notes when we question. find it. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you and I talk most of the time anyways. That's so funny. I know, but I forget the, um, I forget the name. I think it's like Truffin <laughs> Athletics or something like that. I got to check. You're focused on way more important things than what your Instagram um, uh, handle is. So Eugene, thanks for, thank you so much for no, coming. I appreciate it. No, thank you. It's good to connect. Yeah. of the Holistic of a Joanne podcast under wraps. If you want to find me, Nathan Riley, I'm the host. I am an MD. I'm a fellow of ACOG, meaning I'm a board-certified OB-GYN. I'm also a board-certified hospice and palliative care physician. You can find all of my services and products at belovedholistics.com, including an online shop with discount codes for all of the brands that are at the top of their category, from water and hydration to supplements to um, courses. I mean, there's so much there. So go check that out. I also offer private consultation. You can buy packages. I'm also, um, of course, the PRP fertility program is open to all comers. You can find all of that at belovedholistics.com. If you're a midwife and you need collaboration from a physician, I got you. Go to Beloved Holistics. You'll find everything there. If you guys are enjoying the podcast, please support the sponsors. If you haven't left a five-star review, please go do that. It really, really means a lot. And lastly, if something in this episode touched you, share it with somebody that you love. I'm sure that they're going to love it too. We'll see you next week right back here on the Holistic OBGYN podcast. Take care and do no harm. Take no shit. Bye-bye, everybody.